Welcome everyone to the next installment of our look at how Indeed has been navigating the global impact of COVID-19. Uh, today is April 6th, we're on day 34 of our global work from home. But our involvement with this crisis goes back to late January, and we know that thousands of businesses around the world are facing the same challenges that we've been through and thought it might be helpful to share some of our experiences and uh, what we've learned along the way. I'm here today with Graham Lowe, who is our Director of IT Solutions. Graham, uh, it's great to be here talking with you. Likewise. Thank you for having me. So um, let me just start by checking in. How, how are you and your family doing right now? Yeah, so uh, we're really trying to take it day by day. Uh, we have two small children at home, so I think it's definitely been a, a big challenge trying to figure out how to balance uh, taking care of the kids and uh, and work at the same time. Uh, some things that have really helped have been regular exercise and uh, you know empowering other leaders at work to make decisions and just carving out enough time to to help with the kids at home. And those have been really kind of big game changers for us. Let's uh, rewind uh, a couple of months to when things started to unfold for us at Indeed back in the beginning of February. And maybe just walk a little through the, the timeline of uh, kind of what were you doing immediately before all of this started? What were you and your team focused on? And then maybe from there, as things started to unfold, you know, how, how did that change for you? And, and what did your team do to respond? Sure. I think the biggest thing that we were focused on and still are in IT solutions is this idea of productivity and ensuring that all Indeedians are as productive as possible. And a, a big part of our strategy to do that was focus on um, reducing the, uh, the inefficiencies in IT so we could focus on the productivity of all, of all the employees. And one example of that that we, we started about six months ago was uh, automating new hire laptop setups. At times it was taking us 30 to 40 minutes to prep a new hire machine. And uh, we started the process of, of automating that so that the end user or the employee could go through that process in a very streamlined fashion during orientation. And without really knowing it, we were kind of serendipitously preparing ourselves to be able to drop ship directly from our hardware vendors to employee homes which reduced the, the kind of physical dependencies that, that we had on our employees, which led to, you know, a safer environment for employees. Um, another thing that we were focused on prior to, to COVID-19 was kind of re, uh, reshuffling our org structure. So we were well set up to handle surges and, and spikes in volume. So we introduced a, a 24 by 7 remote service desk last year. Uh, that serves as our central triage point that can more evenly distribute kind of ticket volume across our, our global uh, department. And again, in, in, in having that set up pre-COVID-19, we were able to handle kind of the initial uh, support volume that we saw uh, after, after the outbreak. So and just um, as context, as we're diving into the rest of this discussion, can you just talk a little bit about the scale uh, and, and the scope of the organization? So 10,000 employees at Indeed, if you look back in 2019, what's, what are some of the, the things that would help people understand just the, the scope of, of the IT team responsibility? Sure. We're about 150 folks in IT solutions and we're globally distributed. So typically we have 
In small to medium medium sized offices, we may have one uh, to three people. Larger offices were clearly much larger than that. And the way we've tried to think about staffing is this idea of cost per supported user. So trying to figure out um, you know, all the various uh, pieces of hardware, software, uh, infrastructure that each employee needs and figuring out what that baseline amount is and then staffing um, based on the number of supported users that we have. So we kind of scale with the company while also trying to find economies of scale so we don't scale at the same rate. So we kind of stay flat while the company does this. And that's kind of our, our guiding North Star uh, metric. So going back to the beginning of February, your team already was very busy supporting all of Indeed employees around the world. And then the first uh, engagement that we had with this COVID-19 outbreak was in our Singapore office when we had the uh, a family member of an employee who had potentially been exposed. And we made the decision to shut down that office. And that ended up leading to uh, probably the next three to four weeks of number one, trying to figure out what type of potential exposure there was from employees traveling and your team was able to, to play a critical role in that. But then also in transitioning overnight to sending entire teams of people that were not set up to work from home to work from home. So just talk me through those, those first couple of weeks in your involvement. Sure. So when we started to see the outbreak in APAC and uh, we started uh, recommending and, and encouraging employees to work from home, we started to get a sense of kind of what was, uh, what was important um, to enable that, that transformation. And it almost served as kind of like a beta test of what this was going to look like down the road. And some of the things that we discovered were um, things that had physical dependencies. So we started thinking about our VPN infrastructure. We've got servers in every office that enable that. We started thinking about our telephony infrastructure. Um, we started thinking about desktop machines that uh, employees were dependent on. And we started to think, were there mitigation strategies for some of those uh, physical dependencies or were there thresholds or capacity limits that we weren't aware of and, and needed to understand how do we increase that capacity? Um, so those were some of the things that we started to think about. But, it, but most importantly, those early um, office closures really initiated this, this longer term planning phase. So I, I think we had around three weeks to start thinking about what a global work from home situation would look like. And it was through that planning exercise that we really were able to, you know, interview a lot of different teams, understand what those capacity thresholds were and start to get a sense of would we be really be able to pull this off? One of the things that is is um, notable is that we have um multiple different types of offices, but, but broadly speaking, we have kind of our tech offices and then we have our client facing offices and they each have a, a different set of technology challenges. Can you talk a little bit about the difference between those two and what some of the specific problems that you needed to address were? Yeah, I think in, in sales and CS offices, you know, one unique challenge was this dependency on physical desk phones and I think, again, we were sort of serendipitously set up to be able to accommodate 
a, a virtual phone setup or what we call a soft phone, but it just wasn't something culturally that we had recommended previously. And once it became clear that we weren't going to have access to desk phones in those offices, we started building out training material. We started holding sessions. We started um, building documentation that would allow these teams to transition more quickly. Uh, so that was one uh, key part of our, our sales and CS offices. On the tech side, um, I think the, the, the biggest issue was uh, our, the, the way our developers work and figuring out you know, uh, if they were dependent on their desktop computers, were there alternate ways that they could um, do their, their development uh, in a different environment. And, and we've been exploring things like virtualization and, and other methods to be able to accommodate some of those workloads. And, and we're actually still working on some of those solutions right now. Uh, but those were some of the different challenges that we saw in, in those offices. And can you talk a little bit about, um, you know, I mentioned when, when things started up for us from a management perspective, our focus was really simple. It was it was the health and safety of our employees, their families, and their communities. And so the thing that we were concerned about very, very early on was um, what was the potential for exposure of other people from other offices. As a global company, we have a lot of travel. Um, and one of the things that we needed to do was understand when we were gonna shut down the Singapore office, who else might've visited that office and who might've visited the offices that those people visited. Your team was was the one that we we went to to help us answer those questions. How did, how did you all think through that? And was this something that you like knew how to get the answers right away or what kind of creative solutions did you need to tap into? Yeah, the, there were a number of systems involved as we started thinking about kind of where folks were. Um, if you think about last badge location, so where someone used their badge, we had our travel system that showed kind of the, the, the flights of various employees. And, you know, to be perfectly transparent, a lot of those systems were not talking with each other. So I think there was a large focus and exercise on figuring out how do we take data from one system, compare that with data from another system and be able to make the best, most informative decisions possible that would ensure the, the health and safety of, of the employee base. So um, I, I don't think we were perfectly set up there, but we had enough different sources that could tell us, um, you know, the, the physical location of people, even looking at the, the network and last, uh, last connected uh, location. Um, so all those things, I think, were helpful in forming a, a, a picture that, was, that, that allowed us to make decisions. But that, was, that wasn't an easy task for us. So for, and again, the, the purpose of doing this is, is really um, to help some other people from the outside understand some of the things that we did. We were a little earlier than some other companies in making some of these moves. So if, if you had a counterpart at another company who is going through this right now and someone is trying to ask them this question, like what are some of the things from a concrete perspective that, that you wish someone had told you two months ago that, that would be helpful there? Yeah, I think communication uh, was a really important piece for us. And I think we made uh, a lot of good decisions uh, and, and there, were, there were other things that I think we could have improved on. Um, one thing that I think about was 
more clearly communicating kind of this transformative impact that global work from home would have and that things weren't necessarily going to be the same. Uh, I think as we went into this, there were a number of just regular changes that we were making to the environment that had nothing to do with global work from home. And I think that added to the complexity of the, the shift that we just didn't need to, to have in the mix. So I think, you know, pausing our, our, our change control processes um, to allow us to, to stabilize in this new model was probably something that, that um, would have made sense for us to do. Uh, our, another key point was focusing on reporting. Our reporting was in a really good place so we could really get ahead of support trends and what uh, employees were experiencing, feeling, and in and, and, and their acclimation to kind of this new style of working. And that was something that we were able to really focus on to be able to drive solutions that uh, may have gone undetected or got, been a bigger deal than they really were. So reporting was an area that I think is really important for organizations to focus on. I think another key uh, enabler of our success was just our reliance on best in breed cloud-based collaboration technologies. A lot of this stuff was in place already and, and we're a 15 year old company, but we've just done historically a really good job of uh, implementing these really agile solutions that are mobile friendly, that in really empower kind of the work from home experience. Uh, so, so that was another. So, any ones in particular? Again, for someone who might maybe might not have made that investment already, what are some of the things that you think have been really helpful to the workforce? Yeah, I think just the fact that we were on Zoom uh, and we weren't dependent on physical infrastructure that required kind of physical changes or, or maintenance. Uh, we're we're using Slack as our company wide chat solution. Um, you know, our, our video conferencing is integrated with our, our, our calendar, which is, uh, which is run by Google. So we get to take advantage of all the real-time collaboration within, within Google. So I think a big surprise for me was how well set up we were with these existing technologies. And um, when, when it came to our telephony infrastructure, we had previously uh migrated about 30 percent of employees from our on-premise infrastructure to our new cloud-based solution and as COVID-19 came about we started accelerating that rollout so we could again leverage more of these modern technologies that I think made it a lot easier for our employees to work from home. So um, just getting back to the, the the timeline so we had we had some early cases where we had uh, individual uh, employees in certain offices that had potential exposure and we'd made these decisions to have those offices work from home. Um, and then we got to the beginning of March where we made the decision that we were just gonna turn the entire company, 10,000 people to work from home kind of overnight. We made the decision on a, on a Tuesday morning. We sent out the communications Tuesday evening and by Wednesday, um, everyone was officially working from home and then the only people who were still around were your team to help with some people who were coming in to pick up equipment. What changed from the, that preparation, those kind of uh, the dry runs that your team was able to go through and the planning to when we made that decision? You had no advanced warning. You know, I think someone just called and said, hey, it's happening right now. 
what what happened like just walk me through that 24 hours yeah when when i first got the notification that we were going uh to to do a global work from home initiative uh we were actually in a, a pre-planning meeting uh or a planning meeting to to kind of think this through more clearly and we were in the process of building a, a playbook that was going to be tiered by kind of severity. If we had one small office working from home, what, did, what, what were the things that we had to look about, think about? If we had a medium-sized office or a, a whole country or a region, what would that look like? And then what would a global work from home uh, program look like? So we were in the process of building that, but it wasn't built yet. We had done kind of all the planning and investigation but we hadn't documented kind of the, the various states. So when we, we got the call, we were in full on execution mode. We quickly put together kind of an internal uh, team uh, just focused on our, our technical systems. We had uh, a Slack group that we were collaborating with cross-functional leaders of, of other technical teams. So we were making sure that we were, we were considering all the more kind of nuanced um, things like, you know, how do we make sure we can pay employees? And some of the things that hadn't surfaced in the, in the macro investigation, like, hey, will our VPN infrastructure be able to support all of our employees? Or, um, you know, can everyone take equip any, any desktop equipment home before they, they go home? So, we were in full on execution mode and we started having to, to think more critically about, you know, the health and safety of IT employees. So we had kind of made this macro decision for the whole company to work from home, but there were still things that, you know, we, we needed to ship out. Our automation of new hire, new hire laptops was probably 90% there, but we still had another 10% to go. So we were still going in, I want to say a week, like, you know, two, three, four days after the announcement had been made and we were doing this globally. So we had to start thinking about, you know, at what point were we not comfortable, you know, asking people to do this and, and we were taking volunteers and, and at some point we said, you know, we're, we're not even comfortable with that. So I think in those moments, we started to really uh, dig deep and try and think out of the box on how we were going to solve some of these challenges. But uh, when, when we first got that call, uh, we kind of flipped into, into, into action. So um, today, April 6th, we are on day 34 calendar day of uh, having the entire company working from home. Uh, what's been remarkable to me is actually how little disruption from an IT perspective we've had. There's been other things that the company has had to adapt to and, and everyone has done an amazing job of, of just being focused on what can we do to, to help serve the mission of the company. But it seems like things just worked. So what, what's been going on behind the scenes? Are there un unexpected challenges that, that cropped up? How has your team adapted to that um, and, and made this feel so seamless to the, to the rest of the company? Yeah, I, I think like you, I was pleasant, pleasantly surprised at how well the, this transition has gone. And I think a lot of that was due to the, the ample amount of planning time that we had to kind of think through a lot of the, the critical dependencies and, and the capacity that our, our systems could, could support. Uh, one of the things that I think has been somewhat transparent to the company is just the amount of request volume that we've had to handle on behalf of all the employees uh, needing IT equipment shipped to their homes. 
Uh, right now, we've got probably 2,000 open requests where we're waiting for shipments to arrive. Some of those, uh, those shipments include you know, three to four items. And to, to be able to deal with that surge in request volume, we've asked other teams whose, whose kind of work lives have changed. For example, our AV team, uh, they, they're largely responsible for um, fixing and maintaining our conference rooms. Now, in a global work from home scenario, that's clearly less of a priority. And we've had to train some of those folks to be able to accommodate these new kind of shipping and receiving processes to help with the to accommodate the surges in volume. So there's definitely been some unique challenges where where we've had to really just retrain folks and, and mobilize folks to do different jobs. And that's been something that, um, you know, as we were doing them, I, it was just such an odd feeling to, to think that this was kind of part of our day-to-day -day responsibilities, um, but it's hopefully felt, you know, seamless to the company. So um, in addition to supporting this entire workforce that's moving um, to a different way of working, you also mentioned, you know, we have onboarded hundreds of, of new employees. Can you talk a little bit about, like, I, I don't even understand how you provision a set of hardware for someone without ever touching it. What What is the technology and the approach that, that you all have in place with these vendors that allows you to drop ship directly to a new employee? Yeah, so I think in, in the previous world, what we would do is we would build or, or tweak a, a, a Mac OS. So we would add our Indeed logo, we'd make sure it had all the security agents pre-installed, we would do all this work to really make it or certify it as an Indeed laptop. And in this new model, uh, the way the technology works is we can hand someone a, a retail laptop, they can open it up and it's been pre-registered with Apple. And uh, within Apple's portal, there's a, a connection to our mobile device management solution that uh, essentially when the, when the laptop is, is opened and gets its first connection to the internet, it doesn't have to have, it doesn't need to happen in an Indeed office. It can happen at someone's home. Once it connects to the internet, it, because of the device ID, it says, hey, I'm uh, registered in Apple and I belong to Indeed and, and I'm gonna connect to Indeed's management system. And at that point, it's able to pull down various security policies, software, uh, and it can kind of rope the machine into our environment. And, you know, ideally that's done on a fast internet connection. And we had to do a, a number of tests on poor internet connections, dependent because we, we knew that kind of home Wi-Fi was going to be all over the place and people were going to have different experiences. And we, we definitely ran into, into challenges and we're, we're still figuring out how to have a 100% success rate but we found workarounds when things haven't gone as planned. And I think just the, the macro output of that initiative is we've been able to, to onboard new hires. And, and I just can't imagine what we would have done had we not uh, focused on that automation, you know, six months prior to COVID-19. So what's been the, the most surprising part of this transition in terms of how people have adapted? You know, I think the biggest surprise for me is just this this initiative being kind of a great equalizer in terms of uh, 
people being able to solve challenges that may just not be physically close. I think I previously had this, this assumption that, you know, people were often best able to solve problems when they were closest to the customer. And now all that's kind of thrown out the window where I'm now I'm starting to think about all these different people that are, that are great at solving problems that now have these new opportunities open for, for them. And, you know, it's probably something that I should have considered earlier, but I think this has really been a forcing function to get me to think about, hey, how do we leverage this globally uh, dispersed population of, of really smart people and kind of throw them at different different problems that I wouldn't have previously previously thought? Um, that, that was a big takeaway. And then just like in meeting dynamics, you know, being in a room with a number of other people that it's easy to get sucked into that conversation of the people that are right in front of you. You know, people can talk over each other a little bit more easily on, on video conference. You kind of have to wait for everyone to finish, which is, you know, a better way of operating anyway. Uh, so I think it's been a really positive force that, you know, definitely, definitely surprised me and, and I'm excited about. Yeah. So that, um, I think that is a, a pretty good kind of lead into, um, just as, as a wrap up, what do you think will have changed um, in terms of how we think about working moving forward from this? You know, this is people have been describing this as the world's largest work from home experiment. Certainly wasn't something that we had been planning. And and you mentioned one thing about about meeting dynamics. What are some of the other things that you think coming out of this will change the way that we or other companies work? I think Indeed was really well set up to do this very quickly. And I think there's going to be a number of businesses that, that were not set up as well. And I think they're they're scrambling or, or trying to figure this out very quickly. And I think they will be successful in doing that. But once they are successful, I think that's just going to be a great thing for the workforce because it allows all these people in you know maybe remote geographic regions that are now eligible to be able to, to work at these other at these other companies. So I think it's great for job seekers. I think it's great for employers. And I think we're going to see a number of new technologies that emerge that that help us make this shift even faster uh, to, to this more globally distributed workforce. I think about, you know, the, the longer term shift of, of fiat currency to to uh, decentralized digital currency that allows for faster payments, uh, cheaper payments. I'm thinking about, you know, autonomous vehicles where people don't need to be worried about, you know, germs in a car. I'm thinking about, you know, if inspections need to be done at your house or your place of work, you know, could a drone be used for some of those things that don't need or require a physical person? I think things have, have changed forever and, uh, you know, a lot of these technologies we kind of saw on the horizon anyway, but I think they're just a little bit more relevant now. And I think people can kind of put together um, that th they understand the use case of, of why these things might be might be important when that that picture was harder to paint before. Hmm. Well, um, I just wanted to reiterate, you know, my thanks and, and on behalf of the entire company, everything you and your team has done over the last couple of months, it's been really extraordinary to be dealing with something that is so scary to so many people at just the personal level. People worried about their health, worried about their families, worrying about 
their communities and and certainly the impact on the economy around them. And to be able to navigate something with that level of of concern and anxiety and to to not have to worry about just being able to wake up in the morning and turn on your your laptop and and be able to work effectively through that. um, It's really remarkable. And um, I I can't thank you and your team enough for everything you all have done and uh, and everything that will be asked to do as well over the over the coming months. Um, we're going to be we're going to be really busy uh, uh, continuing to adapt and continue to, to serve our mission of helping people get jobs. So thank you so much, Graham. Thank you very much, Chris.